Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Dad, I'm broke. Hey, broke. I'm dad. Dad. Okay, don't you have cash saved up from babysitting? No, I spent it. I want my own bank account from S&T Bank. They offer free ATMs, Zelle, and an annual scholarship. Plus, when I open a Smart Start checking account, I get $100. See? I'm responsible. Hey, responsible. I'm Dad. Visit stbank.com slash smart start for details. Bonus available July 1st through September 30th, 2022. Opening deposit balance of $50 required. Member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lease. Today on another episode, we're diving into the Oklahoma City bombing. But before we dive into our latest episode, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex. What is Pondex, you ask? That is a great question. Pondex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. Whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to want to check out poddex.com and use the code Larry21 for 10% off your order. And if you stay till the end of the video, you'll be able to see Poddex. To stay up to date with all of our content, you can check us out on Twitter at TrueCrimeNS and subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. So let's dive right into the motive. The chief conspirators, Timothy McVeigh, Terry Nichols, met in 1988 at Fort Benning during basic training for the U.S. Army. McVeigh met uh, Michael Fortier as his roommate. The three shared interests in survivalism. McVeigh and Nichols were radicalized by white supremacists and anti-government propaganda. They expressed anger at the federal government's handi- handling of the 1992 Federal Bureau of Investigation standoff with Randy Weaver at Ruby Ridge, as well as the 
51-day standoff to Waco siege between the FBI and Branch Davidian members. There was a firefight and ultimately a siege of the compound, resulting in the burning and shooting deaths of David Koresh and 75 others. In March 1993, McVeigh visited the Waco site during the standoff, and again after the siege ended, he later decided to bomb a federal building as a response and to protest what he believed to be U.S. government efforts to restrict the rights of private citizens, and particularly those under the Second Amendment. McVeigh believed that federal agents were acting as soldiers, thus making an attack on a federal building an attack on their command centers. McVeigh later said that instead of attacking a building, he had contemplated assassinating Attorney General Janet Reno and FBI sniper Lonnie Horiyuchi, who had become infamous among extremists because of his participation in the Ruby Ridge and Waco sieges. McVeigh claimed he sometimes regretted not carrying out an assassination campaign. He initially intended to destroy only a federal building, but he later decided that his message would be more powerful if many people were killed in the bombing. McVeigh's criterion for attack sites was that the target should house at least two of three federal law enforcement agencies. One, the ATF, two, the FBI, and three, the DEA. He regarded the presence of additional law enforcement agencies, such as the Secret Service or the Marshal Service, as a bonus. A resident of Kingman, Arizona, McVeigh considered targets in Missouri, Arizona, Texas, and Arkansas. He said in his authorized biography that he wanted to minimize non-government casualties. So he ruled out Simmons Tower, a 40-story building in Little Rock, Arkansas, because a florist shop occupied space on the ground floor. In December 1994, McVeigh and Fortier visited Oklahoma City to inspect McVeigh's target, the Alfred P. Murray Federal Building. The nine-story building, built in 1977, was named for a federal judge and housed 14 federal agencies, including the DEA, ATF, Social Security Administration, and recruiting offices for the Army and Marine Corps. McVeigh chose the building because he expected his glass front to shatter under the impact of the blast. He also believed that its adjacent, large, open parking lot across the street might absorb and dissipate some of the force and protect the occupants of nearby non-federal buildings. In addition, McVeigh believed that the open space around the building would provide better photo opportunities for propaganda purposes. He planned the attack for April 19, 1995 to coincide with not only the second anniversary of the Waco siege, but also the 220th anniversary of the battles of Lexington and Concord during the American Revolution. McVeigh's original plan had, had been to detonate the bomb at 11 a.m., but at dawn on April 19, 1995, he decided instead to destroy the building at 9 a.m. As he drove towards the federal building in the Ryder truck, McVeigh carried with him an envelope containing pages from the Turner Diaries, a fictional account of white supremacists who ignite a revolution by blowing up the FBI headquarters. At 9.15 a.m. one morning, using a truck bomb, McVeigh wore a printed t-shirt with six Semper Tyrannis, what, according to legend, Brutus said as he assassinated Julius Caesar and is also claimed to have been shouted by John Wilkes Booth immediately after the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. And the Tree of Liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. He also carried an envelope full of revolutionary materials that included a bumper sticker with the slogan falsely attributed to Jefferson. When the government fears the people, there is liberty. When the people fear the government, there is tyranny. Underneath, McVeigh had written, Maybe now there will be liberty, with a hand-copied quote by John Locke, asserting that a man has a right to kill someone who takes away his liberty. 
McVeigh entered Oklahoma City at 8.50 a.m. At 8.57 a.m., the Regency Towers Apartments elaborate security camera that had recorded Nichols' pickup truck three days earlier recorded the rider truck heading towards the Murray Federal Building. At the same moment, McVeigh lit the five-minute fuse. Three minutes later, still a block away, he lit the two-minute fuse. He parked the rider truck in a drop-off zone situated under the building's daycare center, exited, and locked the truck. As he headed to his getaway vehicle, he dropped the keys to the truck a few blocks away. At 9.02 a.m., the rider truck containing over 4,800 pounds of ammonium nitrate fertilizer, nitromethane, and diesel fuel mixture detonated in front of the north side of the nine-story Alfred P. Murray Federal Building. 168 people were killed and hundreds more were injured. One-third of the building was destroyed by the explosion, which created a 30-foot-wide, 8-foot-deep crater on Northwest 5th Street next to the building. The blast destroyed or damaged 324 buildings within a four-block radius and shattered glass in 258 nearby buildings. The broken glass accounted for 5% of the death total and 69% of the injuries outside of the federal building. The blast destroyed or burned 86 cars around the site. The destruction of the buildings left several hundred people homeless and shut down a number of offices in downtown Oklahoma City. The explosion was estimated to have cost at least $652 million worth of damage. The effects of the blast were equivalent to over 5,000 pounds of TNT and could be heard and felt up to 55 miles away. Seismometers at the Omniplex Science Museum in Oklahoma City, nearly 4.3 million miles away, and in Norman, Oklahoma, 16.1 million miles, excuse me, 16.1 miles away, recorded the blast as measuring approximately 3.0 on the Richter magnitude scale. The collapse of the northern half of the building took roughly seven seconds. As the truck exploded, it first destroyed the column next to it, designated as G20, and shattered the entire glass facade of the building. The shockwave of the explosion forced the lower floors upwards before the fourth and fifth floors collapsed under the third floor, which housed a transfer beam that ran the length of the building and was being supported by four pillars below and was supporting the pillars that hold the upper floors. The added weight meant that the third floor gave away, along with the transfer beam, which in turn caused the building, caused the collapse of the building, I should say. And now on to the eventual arrests of the three men. Initially, the FBI had three hypotheses about responsibility for the bombing. International terrorists, possibly the same group that carried out the World Trade Center bombing. A drug cartel carrying out an act of vengeance against DEA agents in the building and anti-government radicals attempting to start a rebellion against the federal government. Timothy McVeigh was arrested within 90 minutes of the explosion as he was traveling north on Interstate 35 near Perry in Noble County, Oklahoma. Oklahoma State Trooper Charlie Hanger stopped McVeigh for driving his yellow Mercury Marquis without a license plate and arrested him for having a concealed weapon. For his home address, McVeigh falsely claimed he resided at Terry Nichols Brothers' James House in Michigan. After booking McVeigh into jail, Trooper Hanger searched his patrol car and found a business card that had been concealed by McVeigh after being handcuffed. Written on the back of the card, which was from a Wisconsin military surplus store, were the words, TNT at $5 a stick. Need more. The card was later used as evidence during McVeigh's trial. While investigating the VIN on an axle of the truck used in the explosion and the remnants of the license plate, Federal agents were able to link the truck to a specific rider rental agency in Junction City, Kansas. 
Using a sketch created with the assistance of Eldon Elliott, owner of the agency, the agents were able to implicate McVeigh in the bombing. McVeigh was also identified by uh, Leah McGowan of the Dreamland Motel, who remembered him parking a large yellow Ryder truck in the lot. McVeigh had signed in under his real name at the motel, using an address that matched the one on his forged license and the charge sheet at the Perry Police Station. Before signing his real name at the motel, McVeigh had used false names for his transactions. However, she noted, quote, People are so used to signing their own names that when they go to sign a phony name, they almost go to write and then look up for a moment as if to remember their new name they want to use. That's what McVeigh did. When he looked up, I started talking to him, and it threw him. After an April 21st, 1995 court hearing on the gun charges, but before his release, federal agents took him into custody as they continued their investigation into the bombing. Rather than talk to investigators about the bombing, McVeigh demanded an attorney. Having been tipped off by the arrival of police and helicopters that a bombing suspect was inside, a restless crowd began to gather outside the vehicle. Or, excuse me, outside the jail, I should say. While McVeigh's request for a bulletproof vest or transport by helicopter were denied, authorities did use a helicopter to transport him from Perry to Oklahoma City. Agents obtained a warrant to search the house of McVeigh's father, Bill, after which they broke down the door and wired the house and telephone with listening devices. Investigators used the resulting information gained, along with the fake address McVeigh had been using, to begin their search for the Nichols brothers, Terry and James. On April 21st, 1995, Terry Nichols learned that he was being hunted and turned himself in. Investigators discovered incriminating evidence at his home, ammonium nitrate and blasting caps, the electric drill used to drill out the locks at the quarry, Books on bomb making, a copy of Hunter, a 1989 novel by William Luther Pierce, the founder and chairman of the National Alliance, a white nationalist group, and a hand-drawn map of downtown Oklahoma City, on which the Murray Building and the spot where McVeigh's getaway car was hidden were marked. After a nine-hour interrogation, Nichols was formally held in federal custody until his trial. On April 25, 1995, James Nichols was also arrested, but he was released after 32 days due to lack of evidence. McVeigh's sister, Jennifer, was accused of illegally mailing ammunition to McVeigh, but she was granted immunity in exchange for testifying against him. A Jordanian-American man traveling from his home in Oklahoma City to visit family in Jordan on April 19th was detained and questioned by the FBI at the airport. Several Arab-American groups criticized the FBI for racial profiling, and the subsequent media coverage for publicizing the man's name. Attorney General Reno denied claims that the federal government relied on racial profiling, while FBI Director Louis J. Free told a press conference that the man was never a suspect and was instead treated as a witness to the Oklahoma City bombing who assisted the government's investigation. And while we know who committed these crimes, there's plenty of conspiracies to conspiracy theories, I should say, to go around about this. A variety of conspiracy theories have been proposed about the events surrounding the bombing. Some theories allege that individuals in the government, including President Clinton, knew of the impending bombing and intentionally failed to act. Other theories focus on initial reports by local stations of multiple other unexploded bombs, while the building itself uh, uh, excuse me, unexploded bombs within the building itself as evidence of remnants of a controlled demolition. Following the attack, search and rescue operations at the site were delayed until the area had been declared safe by the Oklahoma City Bomb Squad and federal authorities. 
According to both a situation report compiled by, the, by FEMA and a memo issued by the U.S. Atlantic Command the day following the attack, a second bomb located within the building was disarmed while a third was evacuated. Further theories focus on additional conspirators involved with the bombing. Additional theories claim the bombing was carried out by the government in order to frame the militia movement or to provide the impetus for new anti-terrorism legislation while using McVeigh as a scapegoat. Other conspiracy theorists claim that foreign agents, particularly Islamic terrorists, but also the Japanese government or German neo-Nazis were involved in the bombing. Experts have disputed the theories and government investigations have been opened at various times to look into these theories. And that is all we have for this episode of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Let us know in the comments, comment section below what did you think about this event. Um, pretty sure you believe McVeigh was uh, guilty. And before we go, we'd like to do one last segment. It is the Poddex segment. Today's question is, who do you think would have never been caught if they would not have opened their mouth? I'm going to say Dennis Rader. Like, if he didn't keep emailing, or not emailing, but was it email? Ah, I forgot. However, he communicated with the uh, police. If he didn't actually keep communicating with them, he wouldn't have been caught. But then he screwed up after communicating with them during a long break and he finally got caught so yeah Dennis Rader thank you so much for watching and listening we'll see you next time you have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast thank you for listening you can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps thanks for watching if you want to support the show Buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNN or become a patron at patreon.com slash true crime never sleeps. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.